Hi, I'm Josh Gandy, and you're listening to No Proof. This podcast is an extension of my journey to discover closeness to myself and the outside world. Through mindfulness, the person I'm becoming since sobriety, and the healthy choices I'm learning about along the way. In each episode, I'll be speaking with someone with ties to sobriety, the bar and restaurant industry, wellness, recovery, or all of the above. There's no proof like the present. All right. Thank you for listening to No Proof. As always, I'm the host, Joshua Gandhi. I'm joined today by Alban DePuri, the creator of Al's, uh, which was a non-alcoholic beer that I kind of found by just sort of perusing Instagram. Uh, they served me up an ad because they, they know my speed, it sounds like. So the, the further that I kind of dug into what Al's was, the more that I was kind of intrigued uh, and to learn more about you, Al. Uh, I'm uh, really excited to have this conversation with you because kind of like the light American lager, the kind of like Midwest beer uh, is one of my go-to flavors that I was kind of missing when I had stopped drinking. So to see what you're putting out there in the market is really exciting to kind of have those celebratory moments to kind of fit in at, you know, uh, backyard barbecues or just kind of have something to plop on the couch with. So excited to learn a little bit more about you. Excited to be here. And I'm, I'm so happy you, you found us, um, you know, we're still small, but um you know, it's an exciting beginning. So I'm very happy you found us and, and happy to tell our story and my story. So am I. Um, before we get too far into, uh, you know, Al's, let's talk a little bit more about your background. If you don't mind just kind of like giving me and the listeners a, a little bit about yourself uh, as, a, as a starting point. Yes, of course. Um, so my name is Alban. Um, I grew up in Switzerland. Um, I grew up in the French-speaking parts of Switzerland, uh, primarily in Geneva, and um, you know, um, basically, yeah, I had a very <laughs> kind of happy childhood in Switzerland. It's a pretty nice place to grow up. But um, growing older, I was always really into music, and um, I, I really kind of wanted to live in a place where there's more music and more things happening. So I moved to London in my early twenties and. I decided to really go into the music industry and um, I ended up living and working for 12 years in London. My mother is, is British, so obviously I had some affinity, affinities with the UK and I, I sort of started my career going in the music industry, started off as a talent scout and uh, worked at an independent uh, label under Warner Music and I was really fully in the UK scene at a time where there were a lot of indie guitar bands in the mid 2000s and I even managed bands, uh, none of them very successful, unfortunately. But um, that was really the bulk of my career. So as you can imagine, I was out a lot. I was going to see three shows a night. I was traveling across the UK. I was spending most of my time in bars and pubs, tiny pubs with a live band at the back and usually always a pint of lager in my hand. And and to be honest, at the time, um, if you didn't have a pint of lager in your hand, you weren't doing your job properly. And, um, and then I kind of went a little bit more into events after that. And I started doing more music events in the art world. Um, I kind of grew up in an art world family. So visual art was always around me. And to cut a long story short, I 
I, I used to go to New York City sometimes uh, for business and and I did two summer internships and I always loved New York City and the energy and I always felt, you know, I had this itch to kind of try life in America and move to New York. So I ended up moving um, in 2012. And soon after I was actually hired by Absolute Vodka, which is a gigantic uh, spirit brand, which is part of an even bigger spirits group called Pernod Ricard. And they hired me because they wanted me to connect them to music and to art and do a lot of sponsorships and partnerships. And I had never worked in the alcohol industry until then. I never thought I would. I never had planned to work in the beverage industry, but here I was. And and it was a pretty exciting job and a fun job because I learned so much about um, marketing. Um, you know, how do you market these big brands? And, and Absolute such an iconic one. And one of the first ones to really do partnerships between artists and and um, and them. So they had these iconic ad campaigns. So I learned a lot. I was out and about a lot. We did a lot of cool partnerships with Art Basel. We did some stuff at Coachella. I was working with a lot of visual artists to kind of, we would come up with nightlife concepts. Um, they would, you know, music, visual arts. It was very experiential marketing. And, and I did that for three, four years and, and then went back into live music after that at a little venue in Williamsburg called National Sawdust, which was an amazing new high-tech kind of incubator for music and a recording studio and a restaurant. And I did that for the uh, three years before launching Owls. But it's really during that time that I decided in my head that I felt something was brewing, as you say. Um, I don't know if I'm going too far ahead here and if you have other questions, but, but I think we can jump back a little bit and yeah. get into that because there, there are a lot of interesting parallels I'm finding, you know, hearing about you talk about kind of like the music and the nightlife industry and then going into uh, the beverage world. Um, did you kind of discover once you started working for Absolute, like for a while, it maybe felt like you were working for a beverage company? Because I feel like in the spaces that you were kind of occupying in this job, like there's a lot of crossover when it comes to kind of like music and, and beverage and that sort of nightlife feeling. Uh, a lot of crossover. And I was, I had an amazing job in a way because I was allowed to kind of roam quite freely more in music and art. So I wasn't spending that much time in the office. So I think you're right to say that I, I still felt I was out working in music and all of that versus working for a beverage company because of all these crossovers and because of so many partnerships. However, I was, I've learned a lot about what are my objectives with this job? Why am I doing this? What's the return on investment? What are we trying to do here? We're not just, you know, what are we trying to get out of it? So I did learn a lot, I think, from working with some of the leadership at Absolute. I've learned a lot about what's behind the scenes. What's a marketing campaign um, working for a large uh, spirits company? And so I, I, it kind of was a little bit of both world, worlds. And they've hired me for my, my knowledge and my experience in arts and music. So I was a little bit of an outsider, but I was able to kind of go back and forth. And I think it was, I've learned so much, you know, I've learned so much um, in that role. And, and it definitely has inspired me for what I'm doing today. 
I think the the next part that you were getting to is, um, you know, where it kind of fits in in the overall message of what this podcast is. And um, I think like one of the parallels with, uh, you know, kind of the lifestyle that you were in and then something that myself and other listeners as bartenders can kind of relate to is like, yeah. it's all kind of forward momentum. Um, you're always kind of in a space where you're thinking about what's next. You're thinking about what's happening the next night. What is the next event? Who do I need to talk to? How do I keep things moving? And I think what's missing from a lot of those lifestyles is people taking a second to stop and then maybe look back. And that's kind of what happened with me is I um, took a month from drinking just to feel a little bit more comfortable. And that gave me enough of that sort of like pause that I needed to look around and understand how it really fit into the way that I was doing my job. And then made me kind of wonder, can I keep doing this job if I were to remove this element of my life? Where did you kind of have that moment of, you know, maybe I'm going to begin an alcohol-free lifestyle? Um, so I stopped drinking alcohol completely um, I would say it's three and a half years ago. It's going to be four years in March. But I would say before that moment, there were definitely a few moments where I thought, you know what, if I could, if it was up to me, I think an alcohol-free life would suit me well. But when I mean it wasn't up to me is I felt a lot of the social pressures, to be honest, of uh, none of my friends will want to hang out with me. I, I, it's too ingrained in society. So if I give it up, I'm going to penalize myself. But it's a few moments. But um, I, I gave up drinking, to be honest, uh, because as I got older, it really, I'm an anxious person. I, I have troubles with anxiety. And, and as the older I get, the more I realize I need a very strict discipline in my life to kind of keep functioning and and as i grew older alcohol was definitely going against that so um instead of making me jolly and happy the downside of it came quicker you know uh i felt not as jolly after that second beer or instead of feeling relaxed that second or third beer actually wasn't relaxed i was starting to worry about the day after or the week you know and and I think I, I realized that um, it's not working with me anymore. Uh, when I was 20 and I was shy and introverted, yes. When my 20, and I've had a lot of good times, but now I wasn't so. But also, I think um, I've seen what alcohol abuse is, uh, not with me directly, but I've, I've suffered from it in an indirect way in my life. So I've always had a very on one hand, alcohol has allowed me to do so many things in my life and it's been so much fun, but there's always been this other side of actually, you know what, maybe given the history, it's not the best. So it's been, it took a long time coming, but I tried for one dry January about, as I said, um, uh, almost four years ago, it was good for that dry January and and then I went back into it and when I back, went back into it it wasn't quite as fun and then I decided to stop completely and first six months were really difficult because I felt uh, part of me was gone and and it, it's hard because you you feel naked I felt completely naked I just felt I was showing up at parties and events naked <laughs> and and um 
but then it's almost like you have to re rewire your brain. Again, I'm not advocating for everybody to be sober here. That's not what I'm trying to do with ours. I'm just talking about my experience. Um, and, and, and after six months, it's almost like my brain gets rewired. And, and now almost four years later, it, I don't even think about it anymore. Almost, you know? Yeah. I definitely understand where you're coming from. You, you feel exposed in those places. And, uh, you know, especially for me as well, bartending, you go to a lot of different events and alcohol is just available at all times. And that's what everyone that you know is doing. It's easy to just like, while you're talking reach and usually there's just like something there. And when that aspect is removed, you are thinking about it more than anybody else. Cause you're just wondering like, well, how am I, how do I get a water to just like be holding yeah. something to look like, yeah. uh, everybody else. And I feel like the industry has kind of like come around to that and make more and more options available, even at those events that are, you know, bartender focused. Um, what changed in your life to kind of like, what did you have to do to feel more comfortable in these spaces? Did you have a moment where you felt like you would maybe have to disappear to figure that out? Or did you kind of like work through it and stay within these, uh, you know, spaces that maybe made you feel a little bit uncomfortable at first? Uh, the latter, I think, uh, feeling a little bit more uncomfortable at first. Um, I, I mean, obviously I didn't go out to bars very much uh, at the beginning because, you know, you feel weird. And when you go out with someone you're used to having beers with all the time because you feel weird, then the person in front of you feels weird. And then the whole thing is a bit weird. So the, those moments, maybe I stayed in way more, but, but then I worked in live music and I was out. So go through the discomfort you just have to you just have to do it it's just the way to go sometimes you have to hide as you say you definitely don't stay up as late <laughs> you i think i mean i've got to give some i think america and i mean new york city which is maybe not america but i think it's been okay overall um i'm european so sometimes when i go back to switzerland or france my wife is french where drinking is so ingrained, especially red wine, that those were probably the most challenging times, you know? Um, but but uh, yeah, uncomfortable, uncomfortable, get through the discomfort. It's just, it's like, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. You just got to go through the discomfort. And at the end of the day, it's all in your own head. It's all in your own head. It's just in your head. Other people don't really care that much about what you do. Everybody's too focused on themselves. So it's, it's literally about your own perception at the end of the day, I think. You're absolutely right about that. So who do you, who do you get to be now? What, did um, you, what have you found in yourself that you, you know, that's exciting? Um, well, um, I mean, first of all, um, no more hangovers. That's, that's a pretty good one, I think. Uh, just, um, just being able to take, I mean, it doesn't mean you don't have any sluggish days anymore, but but it just means that um, the next day is, is always there for the taking. There's no more hangovers. You don't have to calculate as much of, oh, tomorrow this. And so that's amazing. Um, so much, I don't know, you, I guess you're more productive probably. And I did end up launching a business out of it. So there's definitely a productivity element to it. Um, it's, it's a little bit freeing in a way because you it's kind of freeing not to need something to be something. I mean, meaning, ah, if I don't have a drink now, I'm not going to be able to relax for the weekend or 
I think it's quite freeing. But so these are the the good bits. Is I'm, I've yeah, I guess you're a more balanced person. You're more productive, no hangovers. I think it's less of the highs maybe, but also less of the lows. So it, it, the idea is things tend to feel a little bit more flat at first because it feels everything is a bit flat, but the idea is to just get that line of flatness a little bit higher. <laughs> um, the downsides of not drinking, I mean, there are downsides too, you know. Um, maybe I'm not as fun as I, I don't think I've ever been particularly fun, but, but uh, maybe the serious and boring side of me comes out more and I'm not as fun to be around maybe. And so I don't want to be out as much. And so maybe that's a downside for some people. I, I prefer to, I don't know, do quieter things maybe. And um, another downside is, um, I don't know what another downside is. Just you know um probably good that you can't find more downsides to it yeah probably good <laughs> i totally understand where you're coming from with that kind of flat feeling and yes. you know i have those big moments of wondering if i was fun but then the more that i look back on what i thought with me being fun probably could come off a little bit annoying to people so yeah. it's a, it's a real give or take i kind of like fell into um running when i first got sober i I never really ran before and I found it as something to do. And it was just kind of like the perfect activity that, that I could have because it's quiet. It's away from people. It's just me. It's kind of like a form of uh, meditation where I could just kind of like think through and, and hold moments. And it, it kind of gave me that higher feeling that I was looking yeah. for as well. Did you have anything sort of uh, not necessarily replacement isn't the best word, but did you have anything to kind of like fill time that you found discovered some of those highs for you? Well, running is also a big thing for me. Um, I think it started a little bit before I stopped drinking and it was also a catalyst for me non-drinking. I, I ran the New York marathons, the New York marathon just before I stopped drinking. And I remember not drinking for two weeks before it. You know, it's just two weeks, but I, I felt pretty good. And then I, I was really into running rhythm. So running is definitely one. I, I've been running a lot. With Al's, I don't run as much as I could or should, but running and exercise is a big one. Um, so I'm on your side with that one. Um, the other one is uh, working. Is not going to sound great, but working, you work much more in a good way. You're just a bit more focused. Eating, you can sometimes want to eat more sugar. So I remember at the beginning, I was just always looking for an ice cream or, or, some kind of, you know, you finish dinner and oh, I don't know, just Friday night, you, you have that craving for like a replacement. So I remember at the beginning, I probably ate way more sugar than I should have. So, oh, should we go and get an ice cream tonight? <laughs> totally but, understand. Um, I think I kept Haribo in business when I first stopped drinking. <laughs> but um, yes, I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's other things, but um, the, the sweet note is interesting because I had read somewhere where you mentioned not necessarily liking some of the non-alcoholic beers that have like too much of a sweet flavor. And I'm, I'm really with you on that. And it's kind of interesting, you know, obviously you had to replace some of the sugars that were missing with, you know, alcohol. Um, you know, mine was like gummy worms and ice cream. Uh, but the flavors that I think that I was, uh, 
missing by not having alcohol was more of like that sort of like bitterness it's uh that you get from like a good lager like a dry bitterness i didn't i don't i like eating sweets but i don't like drinking anything sweet if that makes sense no absolutely i absolutely do not like when an na beer has that little uh multi wordy sweetness to it i i do not like it i as you can probably tell, I'm a pilsner person, so I like my beer to be bitter. I, I don't even, even though I used to work in spirits, I'm actually a complete beer person and wine person. And I like my beer to be bitter. I don't want any sweetness. I'm a little bit, uh, a bit old school when it comes to beer. So that really, that's really one thing you miss when you stop drinking is, is, the, comple- is the complexity of the drinks, the bitterness, those weird fermented flavors and those are things you miss and you're not going to get them in whatever flavored seltzers and other things and 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 that's why when i worked on owls it was so important that we use a method that really keeps that bitterness alive because i miss that bitter taste of beer yeah oh i missed it yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm, inter- I'm interested to hear kind of your take on on marketing, you know, coming from like the art world and what you're able to kind of integrate with uh, um, vodka. I feel like marketing with NA beers is I've never really seen it aside from maybe like if someone local around me is doing something, I don't hear a ton about it. Um, but we've come a long way from just like O'Doul's. How do you how do you market NA beer and get people excited about the category? Uh, it, that, I don't know, it's a big question. I think um, when, I, when this idea for NA beer popped into my head, meaning I had been drinking the O'Doul's and things, but I felt something was missing because I couldn't find any NA beer in my favorite places in New York City. I, the idea came first, but I had no idea what was out there. So I, I ended up Googling non-alcoholic beer, you know? And that was about three years ago. And the first one, that. So I had a strong vision for ours in a way. I had an idea of what I wanted it to be, but I started Googling and I, I remember coming across Athletic Brewing three years ago and they were the first one that popped up. And then there were other ones like Wellbeing Brewing and maybe there was one called um, Surreal. So I looked at that. So I guess there's different strands, but, but I think what, what a lot of companies getting into non-alcoholic are doing is to really highlight the whole wellness aspect of it and to really, in a way, market it as a healthy drink that can be a healthy addition to probably already healthy activities. So I think, I mean, again, I'm not speaking for other brands here, but what I've seen is, hey, you can actually drink beer now while hiking, or you can drink beer as a recovery drink because it's you remove the alcohol it's a great recovery drink after running and so i think a lot of marketing goes more than maybe i hear is the michelob ultra way which is a little bit more almost like as a it becomes almost like a functional drink a little bit as this can be a healthy drink as part of your healthier lifestyle so all the healthy things you're doing bring this in so i think a lot of brands are definitely going down that route but for me with Al's, it was always very clear that I wanted Al's to be marketed. I'm not going to say just like any beer, but almost using a lot of the marketing methods that 
you know, for the last 50 years have marketed alcohol to you as the way to have fun, as the way to go out, as the way to be more this, more that, as the way to meet interesting people and as a way to f- be included in something. And, and I really want to go down that route uh, with Al's. I really want Al's to, at the end of the day, not being defined by the fact that it's non-something, that it's, but I, I really, maybe it's, it's going to be a tougher climb because people look at it and think it looks like a regular beer. But, but at the end of the day, I want Al's to be in places where alcohol is expected, where alcohol is, is ubiquitous, where basically you're doing something that leads you to drink. And I want Al's to be there in those moments and try to market for those moments. And, and to do that, I just, I think we have to use marketing, marketing to show that it's cool, to show that it's desirable, to show that it's as good as the other things, uh, to show that it's a beer, like just any other beer. It just happens to not have alcohol. We've got to show that if it's in your hand, you'll fit in. I don't know. It's, so that's kind of the route. And, and really, I want to use, I guess, yeah, learn a little bit more about what I've used. What, yeah, learn when I was in nightlife and all that and kind of target a little bit more of that. So I don't know if it makes sense, but I think there's the super healthy camp, well-being drink. Uh, uh, what do they call? Um, not, uh, they're not additive, definitely not additive, but, you know, no tropics and things. What do you call these? Uh, there's a word for things you add in drinks, functional things or, but I, I want ours to be just a straight up beer that just happens to not have alcohol. So marketed more that way, but, but yes, it's got three times less calories. Yes, it's got almost no sugar. It's, um, it's got carbs in it. So that is actually quite good for after your run. But I don't want that to be the sole driver of the marketing. Um, at the end of the day, I want people to be drinking owls at festivals and concerts and, and feel as good having a can of owls in their hand as their neighbor having a can of what is it, White Claw, <laughs> you know, I think. Yeah, I think that's absolutely interesting. I think like one word that kind of stuck out to me when you were talking about, um, you know, quote unquote, real beer is the word more. And I think like the marketing for, you know, alcohol and beer and stuff like that is it's that feeling of more. It's that aspirational sort of like, if I consume this, I get to be this. Whereas I feel like once alcohol is removed, you're left with the self. So you know, I get to do all of the things that I do that I get to enjoy. And now my preferred beer gets to come along in those regards. So it, it's strange to kind of, uh, you know, know that you can do more with this without that sort of like assumed self, if that makes sense. Yes. And I, I think, yes. And, and what you say is right. The, the more in alcohol marketing has been traditionally I can have more friends, I can be more fun, I can be cooler, I can be at concerts every night and all these types of things. And I think what a lot of non-alcoholic companies are doing is the more now is you can be more healthy, you can run more marathons, you can hike more and because that makes a lot of sense, but I'd, I'd love to try and find the more in the social settings and the more in me not having alcohol i'm still fine you know it's it might be a little bit tougher to explain and show because but but there is another more there and i think um 
and, and that's what I want to strive with, do with owls. Yeah. So tell, tell me a little bit more about owls. How did it come to be? What's the, the vibe, the feel, what can people come to expect if they, if they crack a can? Uh, I think owls pretty much is what it says on the can. It's a, it's a classic kind of American brew, uh, crisp, light, and refreshing. It's, um, it's, um, you can drink it anywhere, anytime. It feels good. Um, what I mean by that, it's a, it's a crushable beer. You can drink, drink many of them without being tired of it because it's light. Um, it's definitely in the traditional in the tradition of classic American lagers, which tend to they tend to come out of the Midwest. Um, it's almost a bit of a throwback to those beers before the craft explosions. Um, the ones they still exist and they're the big ones, the macro one. But it, it's almost like a when I came to America as a European. Um, um, I, I was always drawn to those amazing looking bars and dive bars, sports bars with the beautiful neon lights and everything and flickering. And I, I remember I was so excited to drink uh, whatever, whatever it was, maybe a PBR or, or um, a Rolling Rock. And uh, there's something quite iconic about those American beers. So ours is definitely comes from that tradition. However, we, we are working with a craft uh, brewer to make it. So it's definitely a craft Pilsner. It's a high quality craft Pilsner. Um, we use um, an amazing way to extract the alcohol uh, from a fully fermented beer. So we, we let the beer ferment fully. Um, we create that beer so that we kind of reverse engineer the beer recipe so that when it comes out of vacuum distillation, which is the process we use, it's really made to shine as the best NA beer possible. So even though we are making a light bodied beer, I think it does have a, a full flavor and um, it's got a really good head, good foam. I think that's super important. Um, I've seen some NA beers where it just falls flat and it looks like apple juice after a while. And it's almost like the placebo effect, you know, it's the bitterness, it's the crispness, it's the little bubbles, it's the foam, it's the smell, it's the, but yes, uh, Al's is the perfect beer for your summer barbecue. It's the perfect beer when you wanna just uh, wind down on a Friday night you, uh, with a friend or two and you wanna uh, get a couple of cans, you, you can drink quite a few of them. It, it's just an easy drinking crushable beer. I like your uh, affinity for the dive bar. I think I read in um, one interview that you did that you like dive bars because that's kind of the quiet place where you could go, like, especially like working within the nightlife, that's where you can sort of like disappear and have that kind of like internal uh, feeling. So the dive bar sounds like a wonderful way to kind of introduce yourself to Al's. I know. I, I do realize that um, I'm, I'm the Swiss man with a foreign accent talking about American beer and <laughs> dive bars, it might sound a bit weird that I'm, I'm not trying to be Al's. Al's is almost an alter ego. It's not me. It's not supposed to be me. But, but yes, I think the dive bar, you know, I, I've, always, I've often ended up in, in quite high-end bars and lots of glitzy events, especially when I was working more in the art world and a lot of fancy cocktails and things. And 
and New York can be quite a stressful city. You know, you're always operating, always networking. It's, it's just, it's, it's, I feel, you know, always working, working, working here. And, and I'm after an event or, or maybe on the weekend, all I love to do is just to catch up with an old friend who knows me well or end up at a local dive or a local bar. No fuss, just go to the bar, order a lager. You can be yourself. You don't have to prove anything. I don't have to network. I'm not handing out cards to anyone. And it's just, I feel, the place where you can have the most real conversations. And, and it's the same when I go back to Switzerland and I catch up with my, my siblings or an old friend. I, I don't want to be in a scene. I just want to be in my favorite old bar. Or, so yes, my favorite places in the world are simple bars, whether it's a dive in the US or a pub in England. Um, it's where I feel more at home and um, the local bar, you know? And I think Al's, I wanna capture the essence of the local bar. And that's why when we designed the can and the whole aesthetic, I work with a fantastic artist called Tom Henry. He's a visual artist from uh, Brooklyn. And we, we stumbled upon each other by chance to the music world. And I looked at his paintings and immediately it struck a chord. And, so he, he created this kind of imaginary dive bar called Al's. It's always open and it feels good. And what I mean feels good, it just means you're always welcome in there, no judgments. Whether you drink, you don't drink, you're always welcome at the bar, it feels good. Feels good also means that whatever you drink, you feel good. It doesn't make you feel down. It doesn't make you go violent. It doesn't make you want to go into a fight. It's just, it feels good, it's Al's. And, and I love Al's because it's mom and pop. There's thousands of Al's businesses in the US. And so I think everybody can relate to an Al somewhere, somehow. And so I like this idea of, of Al's being this kind of imaginary place and bar where you feel a home. It can be your own home or it can be, you know. <laughs> I feel like you've also described bartender's heaven. I think uh, Al's is a place <laughs> where bartenders go when they die. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and you are a bar bartender, right? Or you're in you're you're in the beverage world, right? That's yes. Your, yeah, I was yes. a bartender up until last year. And so that's I, the dive bar is where you would go after your shift, even if you worked at like the you know most premier cocktail spot uh, in any city. Once you close that down, you immediately go to one of those comfortable haunts, like you just described. I know, and that, and that's what I've heard a lot is the after you've drunk all your sophisticated cocktails, all you want is just a simple beer at a bar or like a, or maybe with like a bourbon, a shot of bourbon. And um, so I'd love for Al's to be the, that NA beer for, for bartenders. I think, I think um, it would be great to give more Al's to bartenders who, who for some reason might not want to drink at some point. And I'd love for that to happen. I think, because I've heard a lot from people in the bar trade that that's what happens. Absolutely. Um, what do you see happening next for the NA space? Um, right now it feels like, you know, even if you were to look at a menu in a lot of ways, like the NA drink section is separate from everything else. Do you see a world where everything is kind of integrated? I, yes, I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but, but yes, I do see it. I I'm, I'm very bullish and optimistic for the category. I think now things are so separated and there's still 
is still some restaurants still barely have a non-alcoholic section and I just dream of a place where you have the beer section you, you know you have that list of all the breweries and you just have owls and then it just says less than 0.5 next to it and that's what it is you know another one is if you really want to put it on a different category probably is best it's going to take a while to really explain but I hope that one day you just you get to choose and the same you go into a restaurant and someone pulls out the cocktail list and you're like oh it's getting a bit late I've got to drive back home so I'll get this cocktail which is but um Yes, I, I think there's a lot of room to grow in the US. It's still very, very small. It's very niche in the US. It's less than 1% of the entire beer market, which from what I hear, in places like Germany, it's close to 12%. Uh, and Germany, NA beer is fully accepted. It's everywhere. You find it in every bar, whether it's a tiny place. So I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that this will happen in the US. Uh, I am. I mean, obviously, I'm biased, but... Um, I just think it's the beginning. It's just the beginning. And I think people want more options. People want more options at the end of the day. It's all about having more options. It's just, it's not about do you drink or do you not drink? It's just about, you know what, right now, I just feel like this great beer that happens to not have alcohol. I've seen it's written next to it. I just want this, please. And I, I, I think once people start seeing that more people want it, I think it's going to have a snowball effect and I think then more places will be comfortable having it. That's my hope. And I'm, I think it will happen, but it's going to take a little bit of time. Love that. What's yeah. next for Al's and what's next for Alban? <laughs> oh, we're just at the beginning here. <laughs> we're just at the beginning. Um, so the focus for Al's is um, since I live in New York city is really to, build owls into new york city um and and get it into some of the best beer places in new york city some of the best tap rooms in new york city but also start getting it into some of the best bars and restaurants in new york city and really get this kind of word of mouth going in here and then i think i'd love to start doing it in other places maybe one can be in the west coast maybe la and san francisco and maybe the midwest could be chicago or it could be columbus i don't know but i think we really want to take our time to really grow organically at first uh you you can order owls online wherever you are in the u.s will ship to you most states and that's the magic of nab you can ship direct to people's homes so i think basically focus on New York first. And once we feel we've got New York in a good place, then open up other cities. And in the meantime, anybody who wants to order it, we'll make sure we ship to you. And, and we're fundraising. It's the beginning. We're fundraising. We're, we're going to build a team. It's really the beginning. But once we fundraise, once we can get distribution, we can start opening more states. But we want to start small and make sure that where we are, people love us. There's a real there's a real relationship with the people who love us. We don't want to go too fast either, but uh, what's next for me? I mean, I, I, I want else to grow and, and succeed, but I, but I also want to change the way people approach a lot of things in life. And, and I think with ours, we can really make an impact with, what it means to go out, what it means to be fun when you're out, what it means to, have the freedom to decide what you want to do on an any given night and, and not have the social pressure. And, and um, I want to help in that way. And, and I think 
it, it helps to have the choice to drink or to not drink and make it easier for, for many reasons. Um, and um, so I'm sure there's a lot of cool stuff we can do because this is a, a subject I'm really, it's very personal to me, you know, so. I think yeah. that's beautiful. Um, but yeah, I want Al's to, the dream is for Al's to be in every gas station and, and dive bar in the US one day, maybe one day. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Alban, I think that's a great place to cut this interview. I think uh, I've had a, a wonderful time chatting with you. Thanks so much for telling us about Al's and for telling us about yourself. I'll make Thank sure to put in the, the show notes how people can order that. That way they can grab some of those tasty suds and decide for themselves. Thanks so much, Josh. And I, I really hope to come to Columbus soon. And, and the exciting thing with Al's is I think it's going to take me to a lot of places. And, and I hope Columbus will be soon. So. I hope so too. Thanks. Thanks for having me. That's no proof. Thank you for listening. And if you liked what you heard or are interested to hear more, make sure to like and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Music was written and recorded by my brother Kyle right here in Columbus, Ohio. To pick up an NA enamel pen and other great barware, head to moverandshakerco.com. More info and other shows like the Focus on Health podcast with Alex Jump can be found at fohealth.org. That's focusonhealth.org.